at what, what it means to be devoted to Christ. And, um, and this has been through a series called A Life Worth Living. And um, before I dive into what I need to share with you today, the title of my message is Compelled by Love. So this morning as we were praying, I thought uh, Joy is go- had, uh, actually stole all my notes and I thought she would preach uh, the prayer meeting this morning because she actually stole some of my notes through the Holy Spirit. But um, it's called Compelled by Love. And um, they, they, uh, last week as uh, Kilton was ministering, I, uh, there's a certain word that came up on screen, which will come up on screen right now, which is called Devoted. As you was ministering, I don't know whether it was uh, during uh, some portion of scripture that you were saying or his notes, the Holy Spirit made me focus on that word and asked me a simple, two simple questions. What do you see and what do you understand of that word? You see, this is a word that we, we normally use and we do not know the gravity and the weight of that word. We can just uh, use it just in our language and uh, we just don't know what it really, really means. As I looked at this word, I realized that this word can be divided into two parts, which is devote. The next slide. I realized that it can be divided into those two parts. And I will give you a layman's uh, explanation of what that word devote means. As we look at the word vote, most of us know what voting is, or we understand what voting is. Despite the notions and the sentiments that we have about voting, whether it works, whether it changes uh, the, the current status of a nation, or whether when you put in somebody else, it will be a whole lot of difference. We may have those sentiments right now. Even if we have those sentiments, ladies and gentlemen, yes, this year is an election year. Yes, next year we are going to go to the polls. No, I have not been engaged by ZEC, the electrical, uh, the electro, electoral uh, commission, to give you this announcement. We know what voting is. For those who do not know what voting is, voting is a formal indication of a choice between two or more uh, candidates or courses of action expressed through a vote, of, through a ballot box or the raising of hands. Now, with a quick raise of hands, how many people know what voting is? If you had to count, and I'll say, before you even count, I'll say stop the count, as some man said in, in a vote a couple of years ago. If you had to look at all the hands that were raised up, that is your v and that shows that people do know what voting is. They understand that voting is picking one over another. The word D, D-E, it means, it's a Latin word from, which means, down or away. Now, the interesting thing, when you put those words together, it means an away vote, which becomes interesting to what we are, we, we are teaching right now and what we are learning. I told you, or giving you, I'm giving you a layman's uh, 
uh, way of explaining this, this word. Away vote. Jesus Christ said, my kingdom is not of this world. It is a kingdom that is not of this place. Therefore, the day you got born again, you cast your vote to a kingdom that is away. A kingdom that is not in this world. A kingdom that is not of this world. Amen. When you cast your vote, it was an eternal vote which, to a king of kings and the lord of lords. That is what you did the day you cast your vote. And you said, from now on, Lord, I will be devoted to you. Actually, the word devote is from a Latin word, which is devovore. It means a formal vow or a, a, a formal declaration, a formal dedication or formal acknowledgement. It is a public yes. And so when you got born again, you said publicly, Lord, I will be devoted to you. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 2-3. The scripture we've been looking at throughout the series. It will come up on screen, but you are welcome to turn there. It says the following. For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband, to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Paul, by the Holy Spirit, says that I am afraid, not that I am fearful, for fear is not of God. It is a spirit from the, from the enemy. I am afraid that you, have, you will be led astray from a pure and sincere devotion to Christ. I am concerned that you just as Eve moved away or abandoned, we're going to get to that word abandoned, abandoned the companionship of her husband. You, the church, the bride of Christ, will abandon the companionship of your husband, the last Adam, Jesus Christ. Devotion, ladies and gentlemen, when you are devoted to something or someone, you give your all to that person or that thing. Your attention is toward it. Your time is spent on it. Your money finances it and your energy keeps it going. You give your all. Your all, your love, your effort, your, your, your finances, yourself is given and poured out to this very thing. You are sold out to that thing or to that person. That is what devotion is. In Luke 9 verse 62, Jesus Christ says the following. He says, no one puts his hand on a plow. Who looks back is worthy or fit for the kingdom of God. That is devotion. So when the enemy deceived Eve, it was not a deception where she totally moved away from God. She actually thought she was doing what God had rightly said when she ate of the tree. She actually thought, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing what God would want me to do. The worst deception is not you leaving the things of God. 
The worst deception is you still holding the plow, thinking you're doing the things of God. You can run aimlessly. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 26 says the following. It says, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. Verse 20, continue, sorry. It says, but I discipline my body. Sorry, up to 27, I think. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul is saying, even I, when I have preached and, and spoken the word of God, I can stand up here and preach. I can stand up here and sing uh, and worship God. I can do the things of God. Yet, am I really doing what God has intended for me to do? And so today, we want to know and understand what keeps our devotion pure and sincere without us being disqualified. Revelations 2, verse 4 to 5. Revelations 2, verse 4 says the following, But I have this against you, comma. It is important for us to understand this. That for you to know what is the will of God. If you read Revelations 2 and Revelations 3, Look for every part where God says, I have this against you. You will understand where your devotion ought to be. Because all the churches that Jesus Christ addresses here are the example or, or the prophetic example of the state of the condition of the church or the believer in the last days. And so when Jesus Christ says, I have this against you, his words are echoing from the day he spoke this up to now. I have this against you. You have abandoned your first love. You have abandoned your first love. Just as Eve abandoned her first love to entertain a serpent, the church can also abandon her first love to entertain the devil. You have abandoned your first love. Your, you have abandoned the love you had first. You have abandoned agape, which you had first, protos. That word protos means first in influence, first in rank, first in honor, foremost in place, in time, importance, and in order. That's what protos means. And that word protos talks about Jesus Christ being first in everything. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is not first in, in, in your life, then your family second, then your, your work third, then your sports team third, fourth, and so on and so on. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ is first, second, third, and last. He's the beginning and the end. That is what Jesus is. He is the center of your life. He is the core of your life. He em embodies everything else that you do in your life. That is what Jesus Christ is in your life. He is like the spoke of a wheel. 
everything rotates and revolves around Jesus Christ in your life. That's why he's called the sun. All the planets revolve around him. Everything in your life revolves around him. We used to sing a song back in the days that said Jesus at the center of it all. He is at the center of it all. That is what first means. He is the one that we look at in everything we do. Agape, love. The word, the Greek word we get for love. Unfortunately, the English word does not do justice to this word. Because the English word is just generic. It is a non-specific word. When you say uh, you love something, you are speaking it in just a generic way and it can only be interpreted through the environment, the tone, and the speaker saying that word for you to get the context of that word. For example, if I came to T-Man in front of all you all and I said, T-Man, I love you, there would be a group of people right now, men, would give me that eye. They would wish without any judgment they could come up on stage and will smit me. <laughs> there would be another group of people, women, who would go, oh, sweet. Then you would have the super spiritual ones I would throw in, I would throw them in there. Super spiritual ones who see no problem with what I've just said to, to T-Man. And they will be like, hallelujah, we love you too, T-Man. That's how, so the example I'm just giving you there shows you that we can have various interpretations of that word love. But in the Greek, in the Greek, there are four words that are that are interpreted uh, that way. We get our word love, and they specify different kinds of love. The f and I don't, I don't have the, f the 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 time to go through all of them, but I'll just uh, briefly mention them. The first is stoje, which means love, familiar or family love. The second is eros, which is, talks about sensual or, 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 or erotic love. The third is phileo, where we get the American state, Philadelphia, which talks about brotherly love. And the fourth is agape, where we get God's love. We are interested in the fourth because that the context of that scripture is talking about agape. It's talking about God's love. Your devotion to Christ can only be based on God's love and no other kind of love. Jesus Christ came to Peter and he said to Peter, 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 do you love me? Do you agape me? And Peter responded to Jesus Christ and said, Lord, I phileo you. I brotherly love you. Second time, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you agape me? Peter said to Jesus Christ, Lord, I phileo you. Then the third time, Jesus said, Peter, do you phileo me? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. I phileo you. That's John 21. If you read it in just your English, you say, Peter, do you love me? John said, and, and Peter said, I, 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 you know, I love you. 
you don't get the real context of that, that scripture. And so Jesus two times is requesting and asking, do you godly love me? Because he is seeking that the devotion you have to, you have to, toward God can only be based on the agape of God. And what is the love that of God that, 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 uh, that you should have? It is an unconditional, sacrificial, selfless love that you should have in your devotion to Jesus Christ. Now we get to the scripture that joy had stolen from my notes. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 to 7. It says the, the, the following, which defines what kind of love we ought to have. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 to 7. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. Verse 5. Or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This kind of love which is not irritable, which you are not. This kind of love which is not resentful, which you are not. This kind of love which does not keep a record of wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, the word of God says has been poured out and spread abroad in our hearts. Romans 5 verse 5. It has been poured out in our hearts. There is no unbeliever who can walk in this kind of love. Only a believer can walk in this love. Only he or her who is born and uh, born of God and uh, uh, through Jesus Christ can walk in this kind of love. God has extravagantly and generously poured out this kind of love into each one of his children. Extravagant. Like a meal that you would probably get at a Paris hotel or restaurant where you would pay 2,000 US dollars and you'll be thinking you would be getting something so marvelous and yet when they put it in front of you you are like what is this this little thing on my plate and then somebody tells you some French language some French explanation of what it is that it has been blown with a blowtorch and stuff like that. That is extravagant. Generous. Like a meal you get from Mama Dube's kitchen in Belmont. Where you pay $2, not 2000 And when the food comes, the sigh is like, boom! The rio is dee! And the meat is ga! And all you do is call another person to help you finish that food because you will not be able to finish it. God's love has been extravagantly and generously poured out into you. You are so wealthy with the love of God. You have so much treasure of the love of God. Therefore, 
out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak or act or respond. Therefore, you and I are compelled by the love of God. We are constrained and controlled and urged by the love of God. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 14. Why? Because we have come to this conclusion that one died for all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but be saved. So, your devotion to Christ, ladies and gentlemen, is not that you keep Christ to yourself. You give Christ to others. Just as that meal that you buy at Paris, you will keep him to yourself. But because that meal is also generous and it's abounding, you give it to others. That is what you do. Your devotion to Christ is seen by you giving Christ to others. We have been called to do the work of an evangelist, just as Mr. Zuli said on Tuesday uh, prayer meeting. We have been called to do the work of an evangelist. Why? Because God is not willing to, or no, does he want anyone to perish, but he wants all of us to repent and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. And so the enemy, the plan of the enemy is to come and challenge your understanding of the knowledge of God, your understanding of the love of God. That is the plan of the enemy so that your sharing of the gospel is tainted and you do not share it with confidence because you are not confident of the God that you serve. Your devotion will always be, ladies and gentlemen, will always be confronted and challenged by the enemy confronting the revelation you have of, of, of the love of God. He will do that. And if you have any doubt of the love of God, your devotion will wane. It will stagger. It will not be in, in solid ground. It will move to and fro. That is what your devotion will do. Show me a Christian who struggles with commitment with the things of God. Struggles with commitment with Jesus Christ. And I will show you an individual who struggles with comprehending the love of God. Show me any individual and I'll tell you and show you somebody who struggles comprehending what the love of God is in their lives. Jesus said, to whom has been forgiven little, the same will love little. If you feel like God has forgiven you little, you will love little. If you feel like God has forgiven you little, your devotion will be little. But our mindset should never be, be on God's forgiveness and God's love on a quantitative mindset. We should not have a quantity of what God has done for us. Because when you have a mindset of what that God has forgiven Kilton uh, more than he has forgiven me, therefore that's why Kilton does more than I do, your devotion will swing like a pendulum. 
You will be so devoted right now as you are in church. But as soon as you walk out or drive out of this, of the bridge club, and the Honda Fit comes across you, and the guy, the next thing, the guy is on top of a tree and you are holding him up, you, we will not see you for the next two weeks because your devotion has been, will swing to and fro because you think God forgives in a quantity. Your mindset of God's forgiveness and his love should be on quality. God's forgiveness is complete. Therefore, my devotion is complete. We're together. Amen. If we had to put your devotion on a scale, Put it on a scale, it will be equivalent to the understanding and the perception you have of the love of God. That's how it would weigh. We would be able to see what your comprehension and understanding of God is and what God has done for you. That's what your devotion would tell us. So the enemy comes. And he challenges your relationship with God, just as he challenged Jesus Christ. Not only on his identity, but in challenging Jesus Christ on his identity, he was challenging the love, the understanding that Jesus had of the love of God. Watch this. Jesus Christ never, I mean, the devil was never challenged Jesus Christ on whether he was a man. He never challenged Jesus Christ whether he was a prophet. He never challenged Jesus Christ whether he was a teacher. Never challenged Jesus Christ whether he was a son of a carpenter. But he challenged Jesus Christ on sonship. If you are the son of God, then. And the reason why is because sonship talks about closeness with God, a relationship with God talks about one who is beloved by God. And so when he was challenging Jesus on his sonship, he was actually challenging what God had said previously, just a, couple, just a verse, a chapter before, where God had said, Behold my beloved son whom I am pleased with. God was pleased with Jesus. Jesus never having done anything in ministry. Who are you to think that you can please God and God will love you through the things that you do? He said, my beloved, before all Jesus Christ had done was get his body wet, his, way, his hair wet, and receive the Holy Spirit. So as soon as you are born again, you are beloved. Not having done anything, you are beloved. So stop trying to quantify your devotion with things you do. You do things because he has loved you. That is why we do things. Ladies and gentlemen, your identity is intertwined in the love of God. You cannot separate those two. 
It is so intertwined in it. Whenever the enemy comes against your identity, he's actually coming against the love of God that he has toward you. It is so intertwined. Going back to Eve. The devil, the serpent says to, 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 to Eve. He says, for God knows in the day that you eat of the tree of good and evil, questioning God's love. Because he, he's saying, God did not give you the full truth. Therefore, he doesn't love you. He questions God's love. He knows in that day your eyes will be opened and you will be as God, questioning her identity. If you are going to be devoted to God, you have to be fully convinced of the love of God that he has towards you. Therefore, when you are convinced of the love of God inside of you, then, only then, we will see the outward working of that devotion called the works of love. The Bible calls it the labor of love. And so we will see it when you are convinced. In Romans 8 verse 35, the word of God says, Who shall separate us from the love of God? Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall persecution, tribulation, distress, agony, shall famine, nakedness, sword or danger separate us from the love of God? No. No. For in all these things, we are more than conquerors. What makes you more than a conqueror? Through him who has loved us. That is what makes you more than a conqueror. It continues in verse 39. He says, for I am sure. Turn to your neighbor and say, for I am sure. For I am sure that neither life nor death, angels nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor rulers can separate me from the love of God which through Jesus Christ our Lord. That was Paul's confession and his testimony that I am more than a conqueror because of what God has done for me. There's a scripture in the Romans 5 that says God, before we were, whilst we were sinners, God loved us. Then it goes on and says, how much more? Turn to your neighbor and say, how much more? You see, a street kid, you may have compassion for a street kid. You may have compassion and some form of love for somebody in the streets. And you may give them some money. But when you see your own child in that same position, how much more? In Africa, we are so industrious with the, name, with the way we name our children, especially in Southern Africa. My father was called love more. There is give more. There is save more. I hope in, in the next nine months there would not be how much more. <laughs> Therefore, ladies and gentlemen, 
I do because I'm loved. Not because I want God to love me. In Ephesians, in uh, Revelations 2 verse 5, when God is talking to the church in Ephesus, he says, you have abandoned the love you had at first. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Some of us, we hold on to, oh, so I need to do the works I, I did at first. No, repent, change your mind. Your mindset that God does not love me. Go back to that position where you are totally convinced that God loves you and then do the works you did at first. A pure and sincere devotion to Christ cannot, is not in the absence, when you do the works of God, is not in the absence of the love of God. It is actually in the presence of the love of God. You cannot do the things of God in the absence of his love. Your devotion is seen through the love you have as you expresses, express it, which is the love of God. In closing, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1 to 3. says the following. <clears throat> if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burnt, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is the core of your devotion. It is the thing that you express to show that you are totally devoted to Christ. The word of God says, in the last days, the love of many, agape. Jesus is not talking up to, to the non-believer because the non-believer does not have love. He says they may have brotherly love, phileo, but they do not have agape. So he says, in the last days, the love of many, the agape of many will grow cold. And God wants our love, our devotion to burn red hot as we give Christ to the whole world. If there is anything you will take home today is that my devotion is, should be totally based on the agape, the love of God. I am compelled by the love of God. That is what should compel me. If you're here and you have never known the love of God and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've been thinking about it for, for some days, months, weeks, and you have some inclination of 
the love of God inside of you, but you have never accepted him as your Lord and Savior. You may have this idea that you, because I was baptized as a child, therefore I am born again. But the word of God tells us that being born again is for you to acknowledge it in your own heart that Jesus Christ was raised or was, was uh, crucified for my sin and that God raised him from the dead for my salvation and righteousness. And therefore, you need to confess it with your own mouth and believe it in your own heart.